to the Go Legal Yourself podcast. This show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business. I'm your host, Attorney Kelly Bagler, and the Queen of Business Law. And today on the show, I have a privilege of interviewing a serial entrepreneur. Very excited to be bringing Hamid Cohen to you today. Hamid is a serial entrepreneur, public speaker, and award-winning author. We have a couple of things in common, Hamid, (laughs) Uh, with a track record of scaling law firms to all of all sizes. Hamid started his career in Silicon Valley, very well aware of Silicon Valley, where he worked alongside of Google and Yahoo CEOs. Interesting. Hamid currently serves as the CEO of LegalSoft and is the co-founder of Magic Law Group. Welcome to the Go Legal Yourself podcast, Hamid. All right. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here and it's amazing to have this conversation with you and share some of our thoughts. Fantastic. Thank you. And before we begin, can you share a joke with us? Of course. As you mentioned, I do work with a lot of attorneys and as part of consulting, we get to share some personal information about our family and our life and so forth. So when they share about their kids uh, and have sons and daughters and so forth, what do you think is the most common name they use when they're not naming their daughter? <laughs> I'm going to let you share it. Sue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls out of their tongue when they say, you know, it I'm going to really sue. Does. It really <laughs> does. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in your journey. You have literally, you're, you're a serial entrepreneur. We have that in common. You have, you're an award-winning uh, author. We have that in common. You started your career in Silicon Valley. I come from the Bay, well, with the accent, right? Born and raised in England. When I first came out to the States, it was in California. It was in the Bay Area. So I'm very, very familiar with Silicon Valley. But um, share with us, please, a serial entrepreneur. How did you get there? Well, uh, when I finished engineering school in Northern California, I was only 17 years old. So that itself was the beginning of like challenging the school system and try to get out as soon as I can, because I did the same thing with high school. When I got out, I was 14 and uh, I actually went to high school in Louisiana, among all places, and ended up in Silicon Valley. So, yeah, when I started 17, it was very early era of Internet and technologies and so forth. I had a pleasure of working with some amazing people within Silicon Valley and saw how everybody is just entrepreneur. Everybody is part of some startup, some, a lot of them blowing up, a lot of them going crazy. So you become an entrepreneur if you have any desire to become one in Silicon Valley. So that's how it started. And I worked with several startups, like Sun Microsystem was one of the big ones. When I went there, we were like a small operation, private company. When I left, we were like 15,000 people, public company, global, all that kind of stuff. So you get used to that and you see how it's done. And if you pay attention, you learn how to do it and you learn how to do teamwork, find the right team, find the right people and do it with. And that then becomes a pattern. And then you basically, I was in charge of business development for several high tech companies, mergers, acquisitions, starting new projects and so forth. 
So it becomes you, and then you start thinking and operating according to what they taught you in, in that area. Amazing, amazing from Louisiana to Silicon Valley. Well, and, and at such a young age. So, so basically, you're, you're a genius, and it's okay. You're probably too modest to say that. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not as much of a genius that I, I have very short patient. So I'm, I'm a very impatient person. So what happens, I try to push everything and expedite everything and do it faster, quicker, whatever. So a lot of people say, no, that's being genius. And no, I'm sort of like, I'm in a rush to get there really fast. So, Yeah, that, that's really pretty amazing, actually, because here in, in obviously the, the US, as you very well know, kids, they graduate at the age of 18 high school, right? And apparently right. 18, now they're adults and they're on their own. But you don't know anything when you when you graduate from high school. You have right. no idea what the real world's like. And you ending up in, in uh, Silicon Valley at such a young age. But what took you there? Well, I um, basically, I went to engineering school in Northern California. And right from when you finish any engineering school in California, those days, you end up in Silicon Valley because that was the only high-tech uh, environment that engineers can actually achieve what they went to school for. So I went to Silicon Valley, got recruited like a few weeks before I was actually graduated and started working following Monday. <laughs> Basically, you're <laughs> like, you get thrown into the pot and say, let's go, let's get started. Uh, and I got my MBA there too while I was working uh, to, because I moved into the business side of the tech really quickly. I was, again, too, uh, was too boring to sit and develop things. Uh, I became into a mindset of developing businesses that is tech-related and tech-funded, but actually is a, is a new initiative, is a new company, is a new product, new service, things like that. So I moved quickly into that and worked with several great companies, you know, Sun Microsystem, HP, Compaq, um, Hitachi, working for a Japanese company. That was an amazing experience. Uh, and then I got recruited from there to go to LA and be a president of a, a company that the mother company was a public trading company from Israel that was actually public in London in, in UK and then moved to US and becomes a public company in US. So did that for a few years. Uh, since it was a public company, I was also one of the officers. It was a very tremendous pressure and a lot of traveling. I basically I always use a comment, you know how we Zoom now all the time? Those yeah. days the Zoom was you go to London or Tel Aviv and come back next day. It's like I'm Zooming over there and Zooming back. <laughs> that was the Zoom. That was, you're absolutely right. That was the definition of Zoom, yes. Yeah, that's how it was like. I get a call on Sunday that can you be here on Monday? So I'm basically Zooming now. But right through the airport. <laughs> Interesting. So, as a entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs, I think they make the worst employees, the worst employees, because again, you have you have a goal in mind or several goals in mind, and you do what you need to do to achieve those goals. But how? I mean, you you've had such a, a lucrative and uh, incredible career. Why, why was it that you didn't decide to sort of like stick with one of the, of the companies and grow with it and then retire with it or what have mm -hmm. you? What, what was that drive that kept you going? And I really, really <clears throat> want to get into the um, legal soft. 
Uh-huh. And also the Magic Law Group as well. So I want to get into those two uh, companies sure. that you currently run. But what was that magic uh, that, that kept you going? If the companies know how to manage people like me and don't try to change us, limit us or whatever, they get huge benefits. Like I've done hundreds of millions of dollars of business for these companies because they sort of left me alone to do it. And didn't try to manage me, control me, guide me, limit me, all of that stuff. So they basically, they made me feel like I'm doing it for myself. So for that, they benefited greatly. I benefited. I enjoyed it. So it was like, yeah, I worked for corporate for 22 years. But every corporate that I worked for, it was almost like it's my own business. Because they left me alone to do what I came in to do and didn't try to control me. So they were smart enough to realize that and gain from it instead of trying to change me or limit me. So that's why I became a good corporate citizen because I, it worked. And I worked with some tremendously smart, intelligent uh, people that we all enjoyed doing this. And then after doing this and doing it for so many years, the idea came about, now I can do my own company, my own projects and so forth. And about six, seven years ago, I went into an, a law firm to help a friend of mine who had some operation issues. And he knew I come from a big operations and says, come take a look at mine. And it was a law firm in, in the Los Angeles, personal injury law firm. And I went and looked at it and I said, oh, my God, this place is a mess. It's like they, the law firms are so behind in technology and automations and men and marketing and everything. I obviously used it to joke with them and says, look, if I leave you guys alone, you'll still be wearing your pagers, waiting at the fax machine for the next fax to come <laughs> in on the next pager that ring. I think there's still some of them have their right. pagers, even though- you are, uh, You're absolutely right. Law law firms in particular, right, were, were, um, were heavily governed by, by obviously the bar and we have ethical laws and duties that we have to abide by. And when it comes to adopting, um, and, you know, technology, for example, and, and especially during the COVID era, we were all forced to adopt technology. Right. I don't have a technical bone in my body. I is, you know, I, I'm great at what I do, and it's not technology and it's not numbers either. But you're absolutely correct when it comes to um, implementing or utilizing or even introducing it to a firm uh, that there's always going to be pushback, like, but you, what? What's the use of this? How can we use it? Let's stick to traditions, right? And traditional exactly. ways are very, very uh, cumbersome. They they take a long time. And you and me don't have any patience. And so, please, you, sure. you came up with uh, LegalSoft. Tell me about LegalSoft. So LegalSoft is essentially when I went to this law firm and saw that the attorneys don't know the business of law. They know the practice of law. But the business of law become a lot more complex than actual practicing of law. You know, like yourself, you can do tons of business transactions, corporate formations, you're great on litigation and all of that. But where the attorneys didn't get trained on is marketing, business development, HR, finance, accounting, uh, IT, uh, analytics, and all of that. And that is, is where the expansion, where the scalability is. And on top of it, the staffing, which became a biggest challenge. So when I saw that opportunity, when I started sort of fixing up a bunch of firms as a management consultant and a team going there to fix it, we said, well, this problem is a lot more global than I'm 
dealing with it right now. I'm dealing with it very locally, but this is a global problem, especially when you go to other states. It's a lot worse in California mm-hmm. with all of these aspects that I just mentioned. So the firms are not scaling. The only way they're scaling is when they pump millions of dollars into something, which to me wasn't <clears throat> the best way to do it. So we created the legal soft as a company, which is essentially started by doing some uh, very creative marketing, uh, scaling, uh, structuring. Because the questions I ask of any attorney is like, what's your cost of client acquisition? I don't know. <clears throat> what's your ROI on the cases and clients? I don't know. How long does it take an average to finish a case from intake to settlements? I don't know. So every time I ask for any number that I can start with and then expand on, the answer was, I don't know. <laughs> so the first thing we developed in LegalSolve is to track everything that happens in the firm, the number of cases coming in, the number of cases per case manager, the duration of cases being completed. What's the ROI on the case? How can we get more? And uh, we start developing a program that, it scales the law firm with all aspects of the business and all areas of lead generation, case generation, and then goes into case management. We do a tremendous amount of legal staffing that is a new way of legal staffing into the firm because that was one of the biggest obstacles for them to scale. I can't find qualified, willing to work people that are affordable so I can go get more cases. So you know what? I'm just going to stop. Not going to do that. So we came in and we said, look, don't worry about that. We can get you intake staff, bilingual, dedicated, full-time legal staff. It starts from admins to intake to case managers to paralegals to demand writers, the whole spectrum. So we have offices in eight countries that we recruit, train, deploy, and manage a full-time staff into 650 law firms right now. And we add about 100 a month. Wow. Uh, we have over 1,200 agents out placed into the law firms with very low costs. It ranges about $2,000 a month full-time for a full-time person that is fully dedicated to your practice, that does the entire from intake all the way to actually doing the motions. Um, so that's how we came in. So we help scale with all the technologies, marketing, automations, IT, everything. And then we staff them up to make sure that actually business grows as a whole and not just one piece of it. There's no point of bringing in 100 new clients in when you don't have the infrastructure to handle it or mm-hmm. having the all the staff but don't have enough clients to keep the staff busy. So mm-hmm. that's why we have a, a you know turnkey solution that goes from beginning. And now we even start up law firms for folks. So we did, that's how some of your services will comes in. We do a complete practice setup from corporate formations to all the way getting your clients into the door. And now we do incubations also when we see a great uh, potential attorney that wants to go on his their own, we actually set up the entire thing from the logo to corporate formation to business workflow to case generation, and we invest with them into the firm. And that's how the magic law group comes in. Because we, at that point, we need to do fee sharings or have a law firm to law firm relationships. So we own a law firm called Magic Law Group, which is able to do those fee sharings and partnerships into the law firms. I know it was a mouthful, but 
I is all sort of in the chain of command going forward. <laughs> I, I understood every aspect of that. And it's unbelievable how much your services are needed out there. As you very well put it earlier on, law school doesn't teach us how to run a law firm. It doesn't teach us how to run a business. It doesn't teach us anything pertaining to operating a business. All it teaches us, this is the law, this is how you apply it to the case, and then you move on to the next one. I have been practicing for 19 years now, 19, and I've had my own firm. Thank you so much. And next year is going to be 20, so we definitely have to celebrate that. Um, Absolutely. Yes, but um, I've had my firm for 13 years now, going on 13, and I've loved every moment of it. I truly have. And I know that I was meant to be a lawyer. I've always wanted to be a lawyer from the age of five. It wasn't uh, easy. Is not a walk in the park. There were obstacles, there were difficulties, but here I am and I'm still practicing strong. And again, I love every moment of it. But law school doesn't prepare you for that. When you actually go out and, and start your career as an attorney, it's best for you as an individual to work with a law firm because you don't know anything out of law school. Right. Come on now, you have no idea. And don't even pretend like you do know. And um, as, as you start building your, your interactions with, with um, your, your colleagues and the clients of the firm, right? Because I, I started my career, Hamid, with um, Baker and McKenzie. The largest international law firm in the world. That's amazing. Yeah, I I actually worked there and I loved every moment of it. I learned how to practice law from some of these brilliant minds. We were in 69 countries at the time. Wow. And uh, and I I knew, I mean, just from the practicing, internal practices of a firm, it's um, there are two types of people, right? There's always going to be the employees. And Mm -hmm. God bless them. We need them absolutely, right? And this is what they want to do. Godspeed to them. But there's always going to be that other uh, person that is not beholden to the nine-to-five job, that is not going to be restricted because they can't uh, create or express or or come up with new ideas. But I absolutely love the fact that you've created this uh, one-stop shop, really, for Um, entrepreneurs that are attorneys and actually want to go out on their own. And I think uh, these past three years that we have been seeing a lot more as a business transactional attorney, corporate attorney, I saw a a flux in new corporations being formed just because people... They, they, they were scared, right? They don't know whether they're going to get laid off. They have no idea where how they're going to put food on the table. But this is when they started to say, I'm going to take my own uh, destiny into my own hands, right? If I'm responsible to put food on the table for my family, I need to do what I need to do. But anyone in that position, they go through that long litany of checklists, right? I mean, well, yeah. what do you do when you go out on your own? How do you start a business? How do you do this? But you are literally providing them a Bible, like, here you go, we can help you. Where have you been all this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I brought the Silicon Valley mentality to law, basically. And that's now how we move into incubation, which is we are literally a virtual, uh, virtual capital uh, business also, where we take an attorney that wants to go on their own. It doesn't matter if they works over two years or 20 years. Not only we bring the team of implementers to implement the entire practice perfectly from designing the logo 
all the way to software implementation and bringing the clients to the door. We also invest in it for three to five years. So they don't even need the capital because we put the capital, the expertise and resources to launch these law firms that deserve to be launched on their own because they are great attorneys. So we basically, they, you do the legal work and we do the operation. So you don't need to bother about any of this marketing, HR, accounting, IT, you know, now AI comes in and then that's just gonna blow everything up. I'm just actually in two weeks releasing a new book. It says how to scale your AI law practice. So that's gonna come in a few weeks. Uh, and that's going to change everything. <laughs> so if, if you think that the law firms were not were behind in technology and and advertising, marketing and so forth, just wait until the AI. That's just going to explode everything. It is. It is. And and it's um, it's it's really being looked at through a microscope for for law with AI. AI has the ability to come up with its own conclusions, but they're not necessarily the real conclusions that a human being and a brain of a lawyer would would, would uh, dive into this case, rip it up apart. Well, what can this, you know, what happened here? What happened here? Then come up with a conclusion. That's the scary part, really, is where it comes up with, with the conclusion for you. I, I think there's going to be a lot of pushback there, or there might be even... Um, potential lawsuits, right? Because AI got it wrong. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that. I just came from a conference in New Orleans called Pilma Summit, which is all about marketing and law firms and marketing. I was a speaker at the conference and half of the conference speakers were talking about chat GPD and AI. And I, I was the last one on that track that got on there like a 430 to, for, to, to summarize everything. And I said, you guys are overly excited about this chat GPD. I remember the ChatGPT equivalent was when I was in the high-tech industry and the internet came about <laughs> where the big boys like IBMs and HP and Dick and those guys were onto the internet. But internet, everybody got excited, but it didn't really pan out until they put a dot com to it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then you become something that you now, you have a lot of vertical markets like e-commerce, like services and so forth who use the internet to provide the reliable quality service. So ChatGPD is internet. Mm -hmm. Now what it comes of it and regulated, and like you said, make sure it doesn't screw up, that generates millions of lawsuits and a lot of mass torts and <laughs> class actions and all of those, a lot of people are gonna get happy. But on the transactional side, like things like immigration and bankruptcy and so forth, which is populating a lot of forms, submitting it, tracking it, and getting back, they're going to get impacted the most. Litigation doesn't, transactional law will. But we got about two, three years from now where this thing's going to settle, and people are just basically going to forget about chat GPD, and they're going to say AI something. And we at LegalSoft, we actually a lot of have a lot of initiatives on AI right now to be able to transition into an AI environment. Perfect, perfect. If you had to give some advice, one piece of advice to a brand new entrepreneur, what would that be? It's surround yourself with experts to get it done. Don't underestimate it. Don't wing it. Don't think that you are it and you can do everything you can. Nobody is. I always surround myself after 40 plus years of experience. I cannot do anything without a team. 
without a team of experts. Doesn't matter if it's marketing, operation, technologies, need a team. So it's not a one man or one person job. <laughs> so uh, get a team, get them committed, work with them, share the responsibility and share the rewards. We have a saying here at the firm, it's don't just trust your gut, trust an expert. <laughs> yes. Right. So, and, absolutely. And, and what would your one piece of advice be for a senior entrepreneur? Is share the knowledge and taking people under your wing and not necessarily everything you do has to be beneficial to you. It could be sort of a give back. So if somebody is already, I have, I mentor a lot of people, especially a lot of new attorneys that come out. It's fun. It's exciting. I give back, you know, you get rewarded differently and it's perfect. I enjoy it. That's, that's my fun part of uh, what I do. So you meet a lot of people and you have through your travels and your business connections, you know, over, over the years, but I mean, if you had to do it all over again, what would that one thing be that you would change? Very good question. <laughs> I'm not, um, uh, maybe it's slowing down a bit. <laughs> I I could change it. Uh, but I think uh, you've done quite well. No, no, no. Keep, keep up the pace. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, sometimes I go too fast. <laughs> and uh, again, it goes back to the original uh, conversation of not being patient at all. I'm not. I'm very impatient. So sometimes it causes going too fast. Uh, but I'm okay with it. I, it's a risk, but I'm okay with it. But yeah, slowing down and sort of thinking about things twice might have would have been a different game. I think you, you've lived a life well living. I live a very, very similar life to you. I, I'm, a, I'm married to the love of my life. We have two beautiful pit bulls. Uh, they're, they're the loves of my life as well. Wow. I have multiple businesses that I'm a CEO of. And I absolutely love working with our clients who seem to find us, like like-minded people automatic, automatically seem to find us to work with us. And I had to do it all by myself. That's what I was saying. Where were you? I had to do it all by myself. I had to learn how to market. I had to learn how to become a business owner. I had to learn uh, how to how to bring in business, right? Not not just do the legal work, but mm -hmm. we have to bring in the business. So there's multiple hats that an entrepreneur wears on a daily basis. But you truly are a godsend, if I may say so, for Thank you. lawyers. Absolutely. And you're very, very unique to be able to do all of this on your own. It's a unicorn. Ninety. 8% of the people that I meet, regardless of where they have their education from, what level, what age or whatever, they're not able to do that because they went to law school to become a lawyer. And that's what they do. I have two sons in law school, one in Vanderbilt, one in Pepperdine in California. And I brought them into my business for a short period of time so they can see the business of law before mm -hmm. they go to law school. Mm -hmm. But uh, one could probably do a perfect business of law and the law, and the other one just want to be in the court arguing with the judge all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's perfect, but he's going to need an, a, a team to actually make a practice for him. So I completely understand the both side of it. Yes, yes, absolutely. So but both of your, your sons, were they... Was there any pressure did, did, to, to go to law school or become lawyers? Not at all. Actually, they both were going to medical school. 
Huh? I mean, they, they wanted to go to medical school, one dental school, one wanted to be a brain surgeon, believe it or not. But when they went into the school and find out how many years they have to wait before they're independently, <laughs> you know, financially independent and uh, so forth, the way route they were going was like 12 years. They said, Dad, I can't wait 12 years before I can start my life. So what's the other shortcut? I don't want to be an engineer. Definitely not. You're right. So I said, the only thing is left is like, Business school or law school? That's basically all you got. So right. they both went law school and no pressure at all. I'm. It's not like I'm promoting becoming attorneys. There's plenty of them coming out. And we don't necessarily need a lot of new ones. But right. <laughs> Especially in California, right? <laughs> in California, they're just like, everybody's either going to a PA school or law school. This is the only two things going on in California right now. Right. I would love to have you back on the show, if we may. In the next several, in the next couple of months, uh, I would love to continue our chat. So this we're gonna we're gonna call this the first part of um, uh, of of actually talking to a brilliant, independent entrepreneur who has real life experience and is running successful businesses at the same time. So I want to talk and dive into all of that, Emmett. So please, please come back and be our guest and. Um, if somebody wanted to work with you, how can they find you? And we will have all of your information as part of our show notes as well. Sure. Um, Legosoft.com is the the company uh, URL. And my email is H as Henry, K-O-H-A-N, just like my last name, at Legosoft.com. I'd be happy to entertain any con- communication. If I can add value to anything Please feel free to contact me and I would love to be back on your show, especially after we get a little farther into this AI. I think me and you can have a hell of an AI discussion here from both sides of the aisle and uh, examine it further. It's going to be very beneficial to our community to understand what is about to happen and some predictions, let's say. I think you're absolutely right. Yes, definitely. And I also wanted to talk to you about... um, your, well, when we have you back on again, you'll have your next book out, right? Yes, definitely. We'll have that out. If you just finished it up, it's going to publication. And that was a one way for me to get it out of my system because I had a lot to say about AI and I was talking a lot. So I said, well, let me just put it in writing so at right. least I can share it with everybody and it's out of my system. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. Uh, may I sign up for a copy, please? <laughs> Absolutely. You will definitely will get... Uh, both copies of them, and I sign them for you. It's my pleasure. It's been Thank amazing you. speaking with you today. I Thank think you. this can become, call this a season one, and we can have multiple seasons to come. I think we should. I think we should. Our We're, we're very proud of our podcast. It is in 26 countries, and uh, it, it, is, um, it, it won an award for being one of the top 20 business law podcasts by um, Feedspot or Spotfeed. What, what, one of the two. But yes, yes, we, we have won some awards and we, we have uh, casual conversations with all of our guests and we give quite a bit of um, just just general information and sometimes in-depth information to entrepreneurs, right? And, and I, I, I've always sort of looked at life as we're all here in each other's service. And right. once you know that, you know, you, you, you see life more clearly because without each other, life would be very 
quiet and dull and and boring and yeah and, <laughs> and unproductive and for most part. Yes, unproductive <laughs> exactly and nothing would get done. But it it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, definitely going to have you come back especially when you have that second or second book is it? Is it your second yes. book out? Yep. When your second book comes out too. And everyone listening to the show, you know, you can always contact us. You can go to golegalyourselfpodcast.com or simply email me directly, kelly at golegalyourself.com. And we are always here to answer any questions you may have. If you have questions for our guests, please reach out to them directly or feel free to reach out to me and I can put you in contact with them. And do check out golegalyourself.com. It is a do-it-yourself legal protection package, which helps save money and gain peace of mind. I am attorney Kelly Bagler, the queen of business law, and it has been my pleasure being your host. Until next time, cheers to your success. Thank you very much. <laughs>